What's happening out there, crew? Time for another impromptu, as most of the time they are, CloverTech podcast. Um, as you very well know, we jump on, we do these things when we can get a guest scheduled, of course, and when there's something to talk about, something came across my radar today. I was like, okay, well, we definitely need to put this out there if it is a thing, because we've got a, new, a lot of new firearm owners that have come into the ranks over the last year. Um, a lot of people have come into the ranks since 2013, and uh, that was the last time we've seen something like this or the echoes of something like this. So a lot of people out there may not even be aware this was a thing once upon a time. Uh, it has come back. Uh, I'm calling it at this point Republican gun control. Uh, but what we're going to talk about here uh, real quickly uh, well, I'll say real quickly for a little bit, get it on you guys' radar. Remember, links are down below. Uh, is a bill that was introduced back in 2013 by uh, Senators Cruz and Grassley. Um, and I've got to pull it up here to get the, uh, the short name of the bill, the Protecting Communities and Preserving the Second Amendment Act uh, of 2019. Uh, and this has been revised several, multiple times. Um, I believe it was, was it 2019, 2013? It was echoes of this. Uh, it's been regurgitated several times over the years. The, po the point is, and I got a link to this text down below. Um, the point is that we need to be paying attention to this because in the Senate hearings just a couple of days ago, Cruz actually mentioned this. Uh, bill, something similar, echoes of it, whatever it might be being reintroduced. So I want to make sure it's on your radar. Again, links are below. We're going to talk about it a little bit here and what all it entails. Uh, for the uh, the matter of record, because we always like to throw that out there, I should have said it earlier. We're looking at March 25th, 2021. So got a screen share up here for those in the audio world. My apologies. Uh, and uh, Remember, wherever you're at in replay or the audio world, since these are kind of impromptu, you can always jump down and, and comment below. If you're out there in the live chat, welcome, welcome. As we're going through this, uh, make sure you say hey if you would like to um, and throw the comments, concerns, uh, questions, anything like that. We'll try to parse through this thing, uh, hit on some of the high points, give a few of our thoughts. But again, I can't stress it enough on this channel, Chuptailed. Read the things for yourself. Do your own homework, okay? I'm not here to fearmonger or uh, or even the opposite of that, I guess, which would be, which would be, I don't even know, right? Uh, whatever the opposite of fearmongering is, right? Uh, talk about fluffy bunnies and rainbows, let's say, right? Uh, I'm just here to say this is a thing. Going to give our uh, thoughts and opinions on it and go definitely read it for yourself. Uh, with that said, now that I've bounced for a few minutes here, hopefully notifications have gone out. Looks like some folks are jumping into the uh, live chat out there. Going to be ghost in for a minute. Uh, what's happening, bro? Yeah, what's going on? Um, yeah, I, I, when I started reading this, I realized, yeah, you had mentioned to me on the phone, but I didn't realize this was originally after Sandy Hook, if I remember, uh, this was uh, introduced. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like it or not. I know the sentiment is good. I think, honestly, this is probably, without diving into it yet, we're going to a little bit, but I think this might be maybe a preemptive strike from the Republican Party 
to uh, maybe deflame some of the rhetoric that's going around Washington with guns right now after this past week. But there are things in this that scare me just like anything else. But uh, we'll, we'll dive into it in a minute. But thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. And so let's um, let's do that. Let's kind of dive in. Like I said, I've got a screen share up here, but uh, a link to what I'm looking at is down below. This is the 2019, I think, version. Again, we've seen several reiterations of this. I, I want to say, and again, don't hold me to this, but I want to say 2013. It never got any traction after 2013. 2013, uh, it did go to the Senate floor. Uh, best I can recall, Democrats filibustered it. Uh, it had... Uh, it had enough votes for simple majority pass than Democrats uh, filibuster it. So it almost went through, right? <clears throat> so with some of the sentiment going around right now, who knows? Uh, it's kind of been tabled. We all know that that uh, our Congress critters, as a lot of you like to call them, uh, the politicians out there, uh, they stuff things in a drawer. Even if they, they can't get them through, a lot of times they'll throw them in a drawer, uh, dust them off, rename them, change a few lines, introduce them again. That kind of appears like what Cruz and Grassley are, are going for here. But let's jump in. Um, again, the uh, the name that they're calling this one uh, is the Protecting Communities and, and Preserving the Second Amendment Act. And, of course, the date will be changed. This is 2019. But um, it says to address gun violence, improve the ability of records to the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, address mental illness in the criminal justice system, and end straw purchases and trafficking of illegal firearms for other purposes. So here's the rub, and here's why we've got to do our homework. Um, we look at that, and I don't really have a problem with what's said right there. What's what's your thoughts on that, Ghost? Well, like I said, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment of what this bill is, uh, what it stands for, on, on just from the outside looking in, and reading the short title, like I said, the sentiment is good. I mean, I think we all want there to not get guns in the hands of people that are going to do bad things. I think no matter how strong, uh, staunch of a two-way activist you are, I think everyone can agree that we want this country to be a safe place for no other reason that if it becomes a safer place without as much gun murders and violence – then they'll leave us alone. So I think the sentiment is great. How they go about it, now that's where it gets a little tricky. Right. Uh, drop a like at Scott uh, out there. He says, I uh, wish people would stop saying, quote, unquote, gun violence. It's just violence by people. Um, here's the issue with that. Um, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, <laughs> Scott. I don't disagree with you. I get what you're saying. The problem is when we start looking at issues, you know, we're talking about violence that, involves some way a firearm right we're talking about a specific type of violence and so you know is the root of all of that we, we know that the firearm is not the root cause of the problem we all know this right uh even people that want to put their head in the sand and avoid that conversation knows that there's social issues uh economic issues so forth and so on that contribute to violence and then the the firearm the gun is is an afterthought right um that being said you know how do how do you how do you talk about it without without bringing that up in some way shape form or fashion especially when we're talking about um even pro firearm laws, right? Um, 
it's just hard to it's it's hard to get out of that right i don't like the term shooter or shooting i like the mass murder but you know if you're pushed to further define is what i'm getting at uh to really get down to the nuts and bolts sometimes that's a uh sometimes it just ha- has to happen right um real quickly jacob s out there says what happened to your stream yesterday apparently he doesn't pay a lot of attention to the podcast I put out. Shame on you, bro. Uh, but yeah, just so you know, that was removed. Um, actually, kind of it hinges on what we're talking about today a little bit. Diana Merle got called into testify in front of the Senate. And so she had to cancel yesterday. Or was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday with me. Uh, because she was uh, getting on a plane about the time we were supposed to record or was needed to. I don't understand her priorities in life. Doesn't she realize what's more important in life? Right. Right. Yeah. I told her to get after it. Don't, don't worry. We would, uh, we would reschedule. Um, So yeah, you, you looked into this a little bit. So one of the things We'll scroll down here to the to section three of this, which talks about reauthorization and improvements to NICS. Um, again, on its surface, right? This is something that I think we have to address. We have to talk about this. And here's the reason we have to talk about this. You've got a certain section of our community that says, well, we've already got background checks, right? Um, but if the background checks aren't working, and in the case of several, you know, horrific tragedies in recent times, those background checks have failed. Now, now, let me caveat this by saying the background checks have failed on the part of the ATF and government bureaucracy, yep. um, not necessarily because of they were ill-written necessarily or anything like that. At least that's my take on background checks, and that's what we're talking about here with Nick's background checks as it pertains to those horrific tragedies. Where do you come down on that ghost? Yeah, I, I think that a lot of it comes down to, I think that the Nick system works if done properly, but we all know that the bureaucracy, more importantly, the protocol on how the bureaucracy goes about everything when they have to submit information, whether it's the department of defense, uh, we've seen issues in the last couple of years where a, a veteran that shouldn't have been able to uh, obtain firearms, obtain them because the DOD's protocol, they didn't relay information to that system at appropriate times. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the system is okay. It just needs to be hammered down on the protocol and how the bureaucracy handles it and how they do their job. I, I don't think that as far as expanding the NICs, I don't think that's the issue until – they prove that the NICS is faulty. The NICS system is not faulty. It's how it is being run is being faulty. It's faulty. That's my take on it. Right. It's 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 human error, right? Yes. And it's like, I don't know, and we're going to get into a couple of the, the minutiae here of what they're talking about with this bill. I don't know that it addresses the human dynamic. Um, it says uh, right here, I believe we're in section three. Again, link below. I know new people are coming in. I have not your end all be all source. There is, I will give you the dirty little secret about YouTube and media in general. There's nobody out there that's going to be. It is your responsibility to do your own homework. This text that we're looking at today is linked in the description below. Go read it for yourself. Um, 
this is just a primer, <laughs> hopefully, to get people motivated to go do that. Uh, but anyway, subsection F here uh, says authorization of appropriations. It's talking about money, and we all know that the first step that the government takes to, quote, unquote, try to fix something uh, is going to be throw money at it. So uh, says they're authorized to be appropriated to carry out this this section. Uh, 200, good Lord, or 20 million. Is that 20 million? That's 20 million for each fiscal years, 2020 through 2024. And by inserting uh, after the subsection uh, accountability that all grants awarded by the attorney general under this section. So I'll be subject to the following accountability provisions. Um, it says that uh, it's talking about unresolved audits. Uh, it is talking about uh, final reports of the inspector general. Uh, talking about expenditures and all of that needing to be resolved. Talking about when those audits need to take place. Again, we're talking about the funding essentially for the NICS system. Um, and uh, right here, we've got modification of elig eligibility requirements. Right, so uh, they're striking a lot of the things that make NICS eligible uh, apparently so and I don't want to go into section four that's a whole other ball of wax so when we're talking about Nick's um, I don't I don't get where I don't get where throwing more money at it can necessarily help do you see where because I kind of want to hit on the, the higher points. One of it's funding with NICS. One of it is, has to do with accountability. One has to do with reporting. There's several different little components in this. Uh, but as far as the funding goes, do you see? I don't. I don't see how no, increasing I, the money I, makes any difference. I don't see where spending more money is going to make it more efficient. Um, and that's ultimately the goal. If, if, if the NICS system is put in place... And it is in place, but, but if it's going to be utilized properly, then more money is not necessary. It's it's being accountable and being efficient with that system. And I don't think that $20 million extra dollars a year is going to make it more efficient. We're talking about the other parts that you're talking about, the, 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 the human factor, the reporting factors, money in the fiscal side of it. All that is doing is padding pockets of the bureaucracy. It's just making it a bigger pork barrel. I don't think that spending more money will make it more efficient. Ultimately, that's the goal that I would like to see is just be efficient. Mm -hmm. Right now, could money again, we get back into the human error aspect, right? And so government employees, federal employees typically uh, are not the best employees, right? Um, kind of goes into that whole idea similar to a union. Right. Um, and so in 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 a free market, you might say, well, with more spending, we can get better employees, better educated employees. Right. Um, better experienced employees uh, to solve some of these issues. The, the only thing the only thing that I could honestly justify in my mind where money could be well spent is updating the system. Mm hmm. The actual system itself, the the right the computer system, the the networking system. Do I think it's going to cost twenty million dollars a year? Heck no. 
But if you're going to spend money on it, then let's update the actual system to make it maybe maybe the system is so weird. I don't know. I've never been involved with looking at the system, but maybe it's so antiquated or it's so weird that the human error element is a product of the system. I don't know. I, I can't speak on that. But if it, if, it, if, it, if it will make it more efficient, if the system needs to be upgraded and updated and technology updated, right. uh, new programs, whatever it would be, then I could see that. I still don't think it's going to cost $20 million a year, though. And programs in terms of software. Correct? Yes. Yeah. yes. Right. Right. Just want to make that clear in case somebody thinks we're talking about some kind of social program or, no, no, no. or yeah yeah you know, yeah right uh sharpshooter out there dropping ten dollars uh thank you brother appreciate it very very much says uh happiness is clover tech in the background while you and your favorite dog sit on the porch reading ducks unlimited and gun dog y'all stole my on topic statements so uh yeah a lot of good banter out there in the chat uh as well thanks for uh you know everybody joining live uh, yeah, Roll Call says the system itself is junky and clunky. I, I would agree with that. Um, so, um, yeah, how much how much does that the funding aspect of it matter in terms of um, correcting human error, which has been the the problem that I think we have to address over the years? Um, I don't know that it does. I don't know that better records, better communications better whatever uh, uh as far as the system goes um helps alleviate human error um i think that falls into more of accountability and policy within the agency and some different things like that and maybe money plays a part right uh we we can't we can't shy away from the fact that money is required for um uh, various opportunities and endeavors let's just say yeah um but that kind of goes into what you mentioned here in section four uh or kind of leads us into what you said ghost here in section four which is availability of records and in this section and this is where a lot of things have broken down too um now i can't match tragedies with the faults of the atf or nicks or whatever uh not in an impromptu live stream like this off of the top of my head. And again, this is, gets into where you need to be out there doing your own homework for things. Um, but I can say that I do remember a time, correct me if I'm wrong here, ghost, but there was one where there was some air force stuff that went on in an air in the air force yep. with somebody. Uh, and that should have been showing up in Dix. We all know that I think the, the Charleston uh, tragedy is one that that comes to mind too that was not a military related thing but also there was stuff that was supposed to be should have been in the Knicks uh, system and wasn't so yeah, we've I, got I can't remember if it was Santa Fe or the Waffle House it was something in the last year and a half and that's what I was referring to was the DOD uh, he was if I, 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 the facts elude me at this point but it was something like he might have been um there was something that went on with his military background that would not have made him eligible to buy firearms, but the DOD didn't report it in time. So he went through when he bought such firearm. Uh, it was it was a reporting issue, not a Nix issue. The Nix can only do so much with the information that's given, you know. Right. And so 
deal with this particular section talking about availability of records. I'm just going to kind of scroll through here while I report, but there's a lot of things about 45 days, 60 days. Um, this is talking about after, you know, this legislation, uh, if, if, and after, right, this legislation should pass that all these things need to be in play. And so what this does uh, is several things here um, from, from my reading with it, prioritization, prior, prioritization of records, uh, it talks about um, even even defining who I think that's in the guidance section here, defining who needs to submit records. Right. So, um, yeah. So let's say that we've, we've got this. And so now. Local police departments, right, county uh, sheriff's offices, um, state state police. Um, you know, whatever it might be, right, are now held accountable to make sure those records are submitted. And then not only are they held accountable, and this is one thing here that I think it's like if we're talking about past tragedies, right, and we're talking about the failure on the part of the bureaucracy, right, this section here is the one section that I see that could potentially help. Now, it's helping with outliers that rarely ever happen in the grand scheme of, as somebody pointed out earlier, especially in the grand scheme of violence in general, right? We're talking about one or two or three, maybe outliers, um, you know, every year or a few years or something like that. It's not going to be very often. But if we're talking about something that might actually address a, a past issue, right, which is almost never talked about. Like you know, we're looking at now, Ghost, we're looking at H.R. 8 and then what it is, uh, 1446 or whatever, right? And they're talking about universal background checks. Well, the, the tragedy that just happened in Colorado, correct me if I'm wrong, but Colorado has universal background checks, correct? That's correct. That's correct. So what good does it do? I get that you want to do something because of a tragedy. Totally understand. I think that's something that that we have in common with everybody else, almost everybody else on the planet, and everybody in the Western world, let's just say, right? Um, and probably the Eastern world as well, a, a vast majority of them, um, is that we value human life to some extent, right? And so we we don't want to see things happen to people that, that can be avoided. And so when we're coming at it from that approach and we're looking at the things proposed here and we talk about being able to close those gaps, right. Um, that may have, cause we don't know hindsight's 2020 that may have contributed to a few of those outliers. And we're talking about closing gaps in an already, um, what is the, what is the, the, the term that I'm trying to, to look for here, Ghost? Uh, we're talking about closing gaps in a system that's all, it's already instituted, right? It's been around sure. for, for decades. We're not yeah. talking about creating a new system. We're talking about closing gaps up in, a, in a, something that's already an existing system. This part of it, I don't know that I have a big, huge problem with. Um, that being said, whether you're live or whether you are, you know, in, in replay, comments below. Again, civil, no profanity, but what am I overlooking with being able to better, more accurately report things that should be reported, being as how we already have this NIC system in play, right? That's my question. So what are your thoughts on that, Ghost? <laughs> 
did we lose him? Um, I think oh, we, we as a kid, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's going to upset some people, but I think we as a, a two-way community need to understand because this has been going on forever. And we know that when a tragedy happens, okay, they're going to blame the gun. We're going to blame anything else but the gun. Okay. A lot of times it's mental health and, and you and I both are, and, and I, I'm, I'm more on the suicide on the veteran side, but I, I do a lot of work behind the scenes preventing um, suicides, most of which are, are, are committed by firearms. So the, the mental health is, uh, is something that we have to look at and people like WTTA and hold my gun and some great organizations that are trying to break down those barriers. But as a community, we have to lead the charge and say, it's not necessarily a come and take it or don't tread on me. It's not raving that gas and flag. It's, it's being human and saying, if there's a way to, like you say, close the gaps and make sure that firearms are not getting in the hands of people that shouldn't have them legally, legally, then that's only going to help our stand as a peaceful society that we like to claim that we are. An armed society is a, is a, is a polite society. Uh-huh. That's only going to help us. But where I come from on this is it's it, man, it's a double edged sword. It, it's such a fine line because I go back to closing the gap. And this is going to be another part of the, the discussion we're going to have later on because there's parts of this that have it. But when do we start? When do we say it's okay to start legislating what's in someone's mind? Right. There's no way that the Nick system is going to catch a lot of the problems that happen because mm-hmm. until they commit that tragedy, right. seemingly on paper, these people were, how do I put it? They were eligible citizens to own firearms. Well, not all of them, but some. Right. Not, not I all think what you're getting to is the pre-crime element. That's correct. The DOJ right. is, we all know the FBI knows about the vast majority of these people ahead of time. They just decide not to do anything or there's not enough evidence. Right. Whatever. Well, that's, that's a whole other talk. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah, that's malfeasance again on the, on the bureaucracy, on the that's government, correct. you know, that's, that's not a failure necessarily of the Nick system. Correct. Um, and that's not a loophole that somebody has exploited. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That is negligence, honestly, on the bureaucracy that should be administrating this in the first place. And then the irony here is, here's the irony on this that sucks. All of these bureaucracies that we sort of look to, right, to, oh, well, what is the law? What is the regulation? How, how, do, I, how do I maintain my law-abiding citizen stature, right? And you look to these. And then now you look to these and you go, well, I'm looking to these people to try to tell me where those lines are at. Right. But then you see them screwing up and it's like, well, this is ridiculous. You know, it's like, let's, let's throw freedom out the window just for, for a quick second. And I know that's going to annoy a lot of people, but let's do that. Okay. If you're going to have a hundred percent control over me, I need to know it's still a relationship in which I need to know where the lines are at. Right. Absolutely. And and I'll take it a step further is if you're going to have control over me, 
and that's if that's the ultimate goal, whatever. We're, we're, we're like I said, this is this is we're throwing freedom out the window just for argument's sake here. Not saying we we agree with that, but if you're going to have full control over me, I want to know that if you do go that far, that it's going to work. And I still don't think that anyone can prove that no matter what steps are taken, that it's going to be 100% or even 90% effective. So if it's not going to change the outcomes of a lot of this stuff, then why are we infringing on not our 2A rights as early, but just our rights as an American citizen or even hell, a human right? If you can't guarantee that the steps that we're taking are going to dramatically change the outcome, then all of this is just talk. That's right. just my take. Right. Yeah. And, and the only way, like I said, that we get there is by, you know, we learn we learned from the past how to move forward, right? A lot of times. And, you know, by looking at this availability records, we've got, uh, we've got Brandon out there. He says we be, need gun freedom, not control. Uh, yeah. My idea of, uh, uh, of, of gun control is, you know, both hands on the grip, right? Uh, RTAC and daughters out there saying uh, departments that don't report to Nick's should be held accountable for this. Uh, and that's what we're talking about here uh, is, is, so I want to jump off into that just a little bit. So real quick, just as a joke, my idea of gun control is buying one gun when you really want five. So. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I fell poorly at that. So um, thankfully, economics coming into play, right, with that. So that is uh, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> more economic control, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, when we talk about this, our tech brings up a good thing. And that is one of the things in here when they're talking about these deadlines. They're talking about establishing um, uh, submission uh, of relevant federal records. Um, so this is talking about not only giving those those timelines for those uh, other places to report, get those that information into NICS, but it's also talking about uh, the time at which from that when that's received from the bureaucracy to then get that information input into the system. And it's also, again, like I said, talking about which entities, uh, what do you call them? Organizations of uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Bureaucracies. I don't even know. Um, should be submitting stuff. So, you know, when we get into this, do we, this is where it, Overall, 30,000-foot view, it's like, okay, I don't have a problem with this. I get it. Cohesiveness of information. If we think about past tragedies, some of the things that, that the failures that have happened, uh, heck, be it, um, what am I thinking, Parkland or many others, um, you know, some of the failures that happened, could this have fixed that, rectified that, could this have, have solved that? Even though we're talking about a very minor number of incidents literal outliers could it have saved a life or a few lives absolutely um and so if you're going to have a system like this in place should there be cohesiveness of information um i think yeah if you expect it to work yeah um but then i go back and i go okay but when we're talking about lines being drawn ghost where do we draw the line or where do we say how much information needs to get reported or what types of information gets in, re reported, right? Because if you get off into mental illness, and that's another section of this, um, that's something totally different than parking tickets. It's something totally different than some type of aggravated assault, alleged, right? People that are um, 
awaiting a grand jury jury verdict, which a lot of times takes time for things like that to happen. So people that are um, moving through, let's say, the cogs of the criminal justice system, right? Does does that get reported because you haven't technically been um, convicted of anything at that point? So if I'm accused of X, Y, Z and I post my bail, does that then need to be in the NIC system for at least that to come up and go, you know what? This guy is under indictment for X, Y, Z. So we're going to strip him of his rights until such time as a court deems whether or not, right? He's, he's a criminal. I, it, to me, it, it comes down to what's in one of the greatest documents ever written where it says innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> right. There's a reason why that's there. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, do, do I, do I think that, um, I mean, once again, it comes down to what my mind and what my heart say. Mm-hmm. We all, regardless of if you're the Gadsden fine guy in your front yard, which is cool. I'm not that guy. Um, we all have to acknowledge the fact that, like you said, we all value human life. We all need to understand that we as a community don't want these mass murderers out there because it makes all of us look bad. But at what point do we want to say enough is enough? I think that if you're a convicted felon, there's already statutes for that. I think that if you are under trial for a violent crime. I think that the problem you have, like you said, I, 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 this is just me and and I'm going to get a lot of hate out there. I do believe that if you're under grand jury indictment and you're awaiting the, the, whether you're going to be, you know, uh, proven guilty or not of a violent crime, then I think that what it can do is maybe temporarily for, let's say, 30 days. You know, not saying they're going to confiscate anything you already have, but for 30 days, you're not going to be able to buy anything new. I, 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 don't, have a, I, I don't have a problem with so what that's going to do is hopefully that pushes the bureaucracy of the court system as well and say, look, you've got to get this done in 30 days or that even if he's still under indictment and they're awaiting the verdict. Mm-hmm. If that 30 days runs well, out, he's eligible to go buy firearms because y'all are wasting your time. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just playing out my mind where right. I think a compromise, because once again, if someone maybe not a first time offender, but if this if, if a person has been indicted on five or six different counts or five or six different times for violent crimes and has been acquitted on all of them, that's cool. But there's a pattern there that. The government seems to think that this person has committed five or six violent crimes. Maybe we want to do it for 14 days or a week or whatever it would be mm-hmm. while you're awaiting a grand jury decision or in a criminal court, a, a regular jury's decision. Mm-hmm. But that also, if we do that deadline, that might push those cases to get done quicker. Who knows? There's a give and take there. I'm not saying I agree with it or I'm pushing for it, but, but if someone were to come to me and say, this person is on his sixth indictment on a violent crime with a weapon of some sort, you know, whatever it would be sexual assault or, you know, robbery with 
uh, with a weapon or whatever it would be, assault with a deadly weapon, then as a person, I'm saying, I, I can't sit there and, and honestly say that I don't, that I trust this person. Mm-hmm. And so if I want to say, hey, if we're going to do this for this guy and give him a 14 days suspension of firearms, buying a firearm while awaiting a verdict, I'm not going to sit there and say that I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Mm-hmm. That might make some people mad. But ultimately, we want to get this right. We want to get this right. We don't want someone to slip through a loophole while waiting someone if it's if it's a history mm-hmm. of a person showing violent behavior. That's just me. Now, we, we're kind of going slow through this. We're not going to make it through the entire thing, just so everybody out there knows. So the link's below. We I like to go into this. I like to get these things on your radar. I like you know to, to get it out there. But, again, I'm not your end-all, be-all source. The link is below read through it all for yourself. You're responsible for your own education and thoughts and opinions and, and everything else. Um, you know, one thing when you, when you, you know, when you bring up the idea of, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's under grand jury indictment. He's waiting his court days. Maybe we, you know, do a 30 day suspension or do something like that. Um, so the first thing that, um, comes to my mind is, that's akin to, honestly, that's akin to people getting delayed in the system that already own firearms or uh, people having to go through a 10-day waiting period that already own firearms or people that have to wait a freaking year on the NFA because, and, and even though they already own NFA items, right? Um, so, you know, what does it matter or what is the play when that person already owns firearms. It's like at that point, I don't understand what difference it makes. I don't understand how having three firearms or four firearms is better or worse in any particular situation than having 10 or 12. Now, the only, the only caveat I can see is you had somebody that had bought FUD guns, let's say right up until a certain point and they go insane or, they're overcome by events in their life or whatever, right? They've snapped for whatever reason. Um, and then, so now they're looking to up the game, right? In a retaliation retribution type situation. And so maybe they purchase, well, we got to be honest about it, right? More effective mm-hmm. equipment at that point. Well, there, there's a statement out there that I want to address before I address your statement and say someone says someone who's already got documented violent behavior can't buy guns. That's not true. If they've never been convicted of anything, they can still purchase firearms. Documentation just means they've been filed. But if, if they've never been convicted, right, they're good to go. Now, right. as far as what you were saying, I would say something like this. Two, two points. One, if someone that is under indictment for a violent crime. If you're worried about them going and flipping the switch, right? Then I'll say this. If, if that person is mentally well enough in the court's mind to be allowed bail, then they should not lose their right to go and buy firearms. If that, if they're so worried that this person's going to do something crazy, then deny him bail, keep them incarcerated until a trial is over, and that's going to eliminate everything. 
instead of taking away rights, let's just say if we have a question of this guy's mental stability, then why are we going to let him allow him bail? Let's just keep him incarcerated without bail until the trial is over. That way they don't have to worry about him going to buy more guns. Just saying. There's there's that. Right. Let's be honest also. Right. In a civilian so, in a civilian situation, I'm not talking military, that's a whole different ball game. But in a civilian situation, let's be honest. You want to speak the truth, let's speak the truth. Anyone that has the thought or takes the action of taking another person's life with seemingly no reason whatsoever is not right in their mind. Mm-hmm. But are we to the point where we legislate what could happen with someone? If we are, right. then that's a much scarier conversation. No. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to do that. Right. Um, now Tim out there and thanks for the update, Tim, uh, just to throw this out there. says a panel uh, of United States court of appeals for the sixth circuit just ruled that bump stocks are not capital yeah. letters. Machine I, I, got a, I got a notification on that. It's a big uh, win. It's a big win. GOA versus Garland. So, uh, so nice. I, uh, that's apparently just came out. I haven't, I should have an update through email. Now, Alan is out there throwing down a lot of stuff. And so I want to, I want to address one thing that Alan is saying that we hit on earlier. Maybe he come in late. Um, that is not true. It's at least it's not a hundred percent true. It's not accurate. Maybe maybe I've fallen short on the wording here, so I'm not picking on Alan because of it. But uh, it says people with documented violent behavior already can't buy guns. Um, that's not true. And, that's and history and history has history has shown in some of these tragedies that that's absolutely not true. Now. Now, we talked about already previously, so Alan can back up, and, and of course, he can, if he meant something different, he can put it out there in the chat. Um, but is it the fault of the person? Is it the fault of no gun, you know, gun regulation? Is it? No. What we said was that was a shortcoming. That was malfeasance. That was, um, what was the other word I used? I don't even remember, right? Uh, but that's basically the bureaucracy failing, right? Uh, that's human error. Uh, the mass majority of a lot of that, right? So um, it does happen. And the, because it does happen, that's why we see things like we're looking at now where we've got Republicans that are proposing this stuff that sort of seems benign on the surface. There's some of this that I agree with there's some of it. I don't agree with blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, Alan out there says documented equals convicted violent felon. And yes, they can still buy guns, just not legally. That is not again. We have things that have slipped through the cracks because of the time delay between um, a conviction or whatever it might be. Um, it, it's happened. It's out there. We, we talked about re- being reported, right? Shirking up the reporting process of the system is yeah. going to be crucial more than anything else is shoring up the procedures and the structure of reporting from all agencies. Right. Um, and so we talked about that in a, in a previous session. That's one of the things they want to bolster with this. One of the things that I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, but again, the, the, this is below in a link, click on it, read it for yourself, go through it, what applies, what doesn't apply, what's screwed up. We're going to move on to the the, um, the definitions relating to mental health, which is another thing. And, and this gets into the murky, murky, murkiest of waters. What I do like about this in reading through this, 
um, is it does talk about, um, I'll just read some of the, some of the high points here. Um, uh, has been adjudicated mentally incompetent or has been committed to a psychiatric hospital. Um, I'll address that by saying um, voluntarily committed or involuntarily committed because that's two totally separate things. And so I don't know that in, particularly not in all cases, right? Um, voluntary should not be a problem. But it goes on further to say that they were found that way through a hearing uh, which the person received actual notice and person had the opportunity to participate. So we're not talking about the, you know, red flag. Somebody can say something against you and, and do something without your knowing. That's not what we're talking about here. That's mentioned here, which is great. Um, and it also talks about in here that, you know, you've got to be, it also includes, and this is where I think that potentially some loopholes could happen is when people are found not guilty by reasons of being mentally ill. And then what happens when that doesn't get reported because they were never convicted, right? They were never found guilty, but then somehow the information, again, we're going back to the records issue here, the reporting issue, but then what happens when that there's a hitch in the giddy up, right? And whatever reason that doesn't get reported that, well, they did this, but they weren't really in their right mind when they did it. Well, until such time they could prove that they're in their right mind. If you, you get what I'm saying? I don't know how you can plead mental insanity, be found not guilty, which obviously would mean that they are saying that, yes, you were mentally insane. Well, there, I would think there would have to be some type of competency argument there, right? Well, or am I wrong? What, when, when you hear someone being found not guilty because of mental insanity or temporary insanity or whatever, what that means is they are not convicted of murder because murder is the difference between murder and manslaughter is murder. You have to have intent. It has to be, you know, there's an, the intent to kill someone. Manslaughter is you kill someone you didn't mean to. So they're fine. They're being found not guilty of murder by reasons of insanity. That being said, if 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 that is part of the deal, and here here okay, it's going to upset some people. Once again, if if I'm charged with murder, okay, and I instruct or I at least go along with my my attorney's advice of going after an, an insanity plea, I'm acknowledging the fact. Or at least I'm okay, whether or not I acknowledge the fact that I was temporarily insane or whatever. I'm acknowledging and okay with the idea of using mental health as something to get me off in trial. So if that's the case, then even though they're not convicted of murder by means of insanity, you have, as a person, you have okayed the idea in the court system that you were insane. That being said, do I want that person who is at least okay with the idea of saying they were insane? I, I don't necessarily want them to be able to own a firearm. I'm just mm -hmm. saying, if that's the case, um, that's going to upset some people. But here's, I mean, it ultimately comes down to the gun, the, the 2A, the gun community. We need to take care of our own. Now, I do agree with what you're saying about involuntarily versus voluntarily, because here's the thing. 
if we want to, as a community, start cleaning up our own and we want to police our own, then we cannot, we cannot make it something that is going to be hurtful towards a person that has the mental capability to say something's wrong with me, even if it's only for a week. I want to go get help. If we start legislating in a voluntary into a mental health hospital, right? It's scary because at that point, no one's going to want to ask for help. Right. So I, if we're going to do this, it has to be involuntarily right. committed into a facility. That's just me. Well, and we've already got let's, and I don't want to dive down this rabbit hole. My wife uh, worked in, in uh, the mental health field for, for quite some number of years. Um, I've got plenty of friends and, and relatives that, that still do. I am less than an hour drive from a state mental institution right? Big employer of the area here and whatnot. Uh, so been around the aspect of that my entire life. And I'll say this, the, the mental health sector, let's just say in this country, um, has completely gone to pot. Uh, it's absolutely horrible. Um, and that lends itself to when we're talking about people that may not go get the help that they need, that's part of why they look at the facilities that they're, they're going into. And you're like, I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong. If it was a decent facility, maybe, but Jesus, I'm not going and committing myself into that type of a situation. There's two parts of that. One, they're going to be used as Guinea pigs right. while facility. And two, when they get out, regardless if they come out of that situation, being cleared of everything, they're good to go. In society, they're walking around with a scarlet letter on the rest of their lives. That's just the way it is. No, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. So the the beautiful thing, I guess, I don't want to say beautiful thing, but the good thing, uh, as I'm reading through this again, I'll say this. Anytime we talk about legislation, the link's down below, and I say go read it for yourself and do your own homework. I'm not here to put opinions in your head or read you verbatim what it says or try to hold your hand or explain it. That's all up to you to do your homework. It's called uh, a civic duty, and it's called citizenship, so get after it. But um, as we're talking about the mental thing, we talked about how it does say in here that, you know, you you have you know you're talking about a situation where you are present and aware have a chance to defend yourself uh it further it goes down here and it talks about uh things being restored so it's it's saying that this does not apply to um somebody if they've they basically been what is the uh adjudicated or whatever and found that they are of sound mind again or whatever the case may be that you know the history of that um, this is talking about people that are currently under current, right, uh, restrictions or whatever that says that, hey, that person has a mental issue. Uh, this is not going on past mental stuff. Um, now, much like the potential criminal history, I guess, let's say, or whatever, um, that, that gets interesting by, by talking about that because – what what would be the case? I mean, if you let's say you did ghost, let's say that you were um, vol you voluntarily committed yourself multiple, multiple, multiple times. You were just you were uh, like it was almost habitual, right? Um, does that change the <laughs> dynamic any? No, not to me. It doesn't. Once again, we should not be threatening or persecuting someone. 
for seeking help. That should not be what we're doing as a government or as a society. We should be encouraging people to help look for help. Now, let me that being said, okay, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was say, let me let me change the let me change the premise here. Let me change that question a little bit, right? Because that has a, a notion that you're you're getting penalized for a voluntary thing, right? So let me say this. Let's say that you've you've gone through multiple years of having mental issues, whether it's suicidal thoughts or whatever the case may be, right? And you voluntarily commit yourself and they let you out. You voluntarily commit yourself and they let you out. You voluntarily commit yourself and they let you out. And then you voluntarily commit yourself. And at that point said hospital, rehab center, whatever goes, whoa, this guy's gotten worse, right? This is the real deal. Um, And then they pursue some type of action, right? To, have you involuntarily committed, right? In other words, they say, no, you can't check yourself out because we don't believe, right? Even though you did voluntarily come in, right? We don't, we don't believe. We think that you're a danger to yourself or other people. We believe that this, this time is for real. You, you've gotten worse. You're over the edge, whatever it might be. At that point, does the voluntary history come into play at all? All right, so I'm going to go with a statement you just made. Mm-hmm. Hurting yourself or other people. I think you have to distinguish between is someone in a facility multiple, multiple times because they are suicidal or have they shown actions that may think to cause people to think that they are willing or wanting to hurt other people. If they're wanting to hurt themselves that's a different issue to me. Yes, you don't want any life taken with a firearm, whether it's your own or, or someone else's life. But hurting yourself has to be looked at differently than someone who is willing to hurt animals. If, if they've shown, it sounds crazy, but if, if you read a lot of, um, I read a lot, um, but if you read a lot of stuff on people that historically were these serial killers, mm-hmm. they showed they showed signs as a young age of mutilating animals or different things. There, there were signs there that life itself, not human, but life itself meant nothing to them. Mm. Okay. But can you distinguish between someone who's habitually going in voluntarily that might hurt themselves, have never shown a sign of hurting someone else, but hurting themselves. I think you almost have to be able to distinguish and those professional doctors, those psychologists and all that, they should be able to distinguish unless someone's just freaking brilliant. And there are people out there that can fool anyone, but there should be a way to distinguish. Is this person going to harm themselves or harm other people? And maybe those are two different issues. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just brainstorming here. Well, one thing that's interesting, I've gotten down into, uh, another part of this and it appears like this is like a this has a sunset clause of 10 years which i'm a big fan of that right i think that we should we uh, always should that, be evaluating everything yeah yeah i think everything should be that way right any piece of legislation that ever passes i think should have some type of sunset clause like you know so many years we're gonna we're gonna look at this again and you know if it doesn't get passed again whatever it goes away now, 
here's a here's a part and and we got to get out of here here in a little bit i don't like to run these much longer than an hour my apologies but again for everybody out there in the live chat i can't thank you enough for joining uh and everybody in replay remember comments below if you're picking this up in replay whatever but this is a section i wanted to get to and address because this is another section that you know i've talked to a lot of quote liberal gun owners and other things and this seems to be something that we can potentially agree on um so we know that we know the old saying about keeping an honest man honest right it's like you know that's why you put you know just having a lock on your door however crappy that lock might be right uh as opposed to leaving your front door completely open right um to say that you you know, you've got different levels of criminality would you would you agree with that ghost absolutely You've got opportunistic, you know, people. You've got people that are habitual criminals. You've got people that are just crimes of passion. You've got crimes of opportunity, right? Ooh, and so this is you have this straight up evil, and there are just straight up evil yeah. people. So my my question is on this on section eight as we're coming into this increasing federal prosecution of gun violence. Okay, what they mean by this again. Who it was that pointed out earlier that they don't like that term? I, I get it. What they're meaning here is crimes perpetrated with a firearm. That's what they're talking about. Um, I don't like the way they worded it either. But as you go down, I mean, they get specific, and that's what it is. So, does does making the penalties for things stiffer if you utilize a firearm deter any type of significant uh, percentage of crime in general, generally speaking. Okay, so there's two points on this that I would like to discuss, uh, or at least point out. One, yes, in theory. I, I think that here's the thing. If you're going to commit a crime and you're knowingly committing a crime with a firearm, okay, you're going to go in, break into someone's house with a firearm, hold someone up at the gas station, whatever, you're committing a crime with a firearm, knowingly doing it, voluntarily doing it, then here's the thing. If you lose your rights to own firearms, that's a choice you make. You made that decision when you committed that crime. Now, will it ultimately change numbers? I don't think so because we both know that if you're a lifelong criminal, chances are you're not buying guns from the gun shop anyways. Mm -hmm. So there's the elephant in the room is how much of the mix system is going to change unlawful firearm transactions. I don't know the answer to that. Well, I know I know this. I know this to be true. And, and whether this is true in every town, every demographic, we've had a private conversation about this. So I know convenience store robbery rates in one of the local towns here. Uh, I, I, I'm the one that set up the security cameras. I had to go pull footage for all of that. Most of the time, that firearm was either not loaded uh, or it wasn't even a firearm. Right? Yeah, sure. Those, those criminals knew that when they when they chose to use that airsoft or that BB gun or make sure that firearm was unloaded. They intentionally done that because the sentence is lighter than if there is one and and they alleviate the potential, right, of in the heat of the moment, whatever the case may be, actually pulling the trigger. Okay. 
I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I can see that road. Once again, they chose to commit a crime, whether or not it was loaded or actually technically a firearm. They chose to commit a crime with the perception of a firearm to increase the odds of that crime taking place or being successful. They knowingly did that. So whether or not it was an airsoft or was unloaded is irrelevant to me. They chose to use that tool as a part of their crime. So in my eyes, it might as well be a minigun that they got strapped to them. It doesn't matter if it was loaded or if it was airsoft or not. They chose to use this tool as a part of their crime to increase the odds of that crime succeeding. Mm-hmm. To me, whether or not it was airsoft or unloaded, it makes no difference. They chose well, to use it. That's just me. No, and that's what this is saying. It's talking about increasing the federal prosecution of, of that, right? So so here's the deal. So there's no more, I can rob this store with an unloaded 38 special, exactly. and oh, I get minimum sentencing. No, screw that. If you use a firearm, you're screwed. That's right, and I'm all for that. I'm all well, for that. The flip side of that coin is what happens when it is loaded do you feel what I'm saying? And emotions are high or, or stress or whatever happens. And now you've got something that if they do in that moment of passion, right? Because let's whatever it is, right? A rush of adrenaline or whatever it might be. Let's call it, you know, a rush of passion. What happens when they do pull the trigger? What happens when you do pull your firearm as a law-abiding citizen trying to alleviate a, a bad situation and they're then able to fire back or fire at other people. What what happens? I'm just chasing it down the rabbit hole. If 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 there's no if there's and and, and let me back up and say I agree. If, I think I think it shouldn't matter. I think it shouldn't matter what the weapon is. I think there should be harsh freaking penalties for any kind of weapon, right? I, I think that what you're trying to say is, is should there be stronger if there actually is loaded or and all that? Here's the thing. You start talking about crimes of passion or all of that. Once again, we come into legislating what's in someone's mind. Okay. So that's, that's, that's a mm-hmm. very sore subject with me. Right. But I don't think there should be a difference. Right. If you're going to use a tool to commit a crime. Right. Then whether it's, Loaded, unloaded, airsoft, whatever it would be, a plastic one that looks real. I don't know. Right. You no. Know, what what if it's an what if what if it's a firearm without a barrel or a BCG and it, it can't function regardless? Mm-hmm. But it looks real. They don't the, the, the person who is having that tool pointed at them doesn't know. Right. Whether or not that's loaded, whether right. or not it's you know, they don't know. So I to me it's if if you're gonna use this tool, whether it's a knife, a firearm, a bat, a two by four, a metal pipe, a crowbar. If you're going to use a tool that could increase your chances of committing that crime to succeed, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. you should be prosecuted the same as, as if it was loaded and it was ready to go. Right. So what you're saying is there should be stiff penalties regardless. A hundred percent. But once yeah. again, the flip side of that is his... You know, we're talking about prosecuting someone to the extent. So that might deter some people of committing those crimes. It might. Who knows? 
But I think we well, had but to- then it could have the opposite effect because what that's if what that's my situation? What if that person that I'm going to go rob the store and now he knows that that regardless of whether that gun is loaded or not, right? He's going to face the same amount of penalty, so right? Might as well be loaded, yeah. It's the same risk, so I might as well go loaded. And Once then what? And then what happens when now that was a situation that could have been? It was a smash and grab, right? And now it's a smash and grab that in the heat of the moment, you've got a store clerk that's been shot. I, I get that. I, I think that ultimately comes down to once again, they're making that criminal is making a conscious decision to utilize that tool uh-huh. to be a part of their crime. Right. Whether or not right. it's used or not is irrelevant to me. Yeah. If it's and, used, I'm, and I'm with you. Yeah. I, I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> even if it is used, that's just additional charges added on. That criminal's going to go and commit a crime regardless of what tool's being used. So let's not give him a slap on the wrist and let him walk with a misdemeanor because it wasn't, it was an airsoft gun. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. let's not do that. Let's make sure that they know that if you're going to use a tool in any way, shape, or form, it could mean life imprisonment. Right. Let's just be real. That might deter someone. Now, on the other flip side of that is once again, do they really care? Because they, 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 they probably don't care about their gun rights because they're, they're criminals. They don't care about laws to begin with. So the, the reality is they probably don't care one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But what it might do is deter the next person. Hey, did you hear what happened to Joey? Man, Joey's, jo- jo- Joey got 25 to life. I don't know if I want to do that. It may not be worth it. I don't know. If they if can deter, like you say, save one life, it might be worthwhile. I don't know. It, um, it's, it, it's, it's a crazy conversation to have with a lot of variables involved. Right. right. But it, it's, it's something that I'm not against having a unilateral um, process that anyone using a tool for a, a crime to prosecute them the same. I have no problem. With that. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go, I'm going to hit on something that Alan's uh, brought up out there. Alan, man, Alan's been participating like a madman. So thanks for that. But um, real simple, he says, arm the store clerk. Um, I want to talk on that just for a minute since I've been around so many. I mean, I, I, I've told the story privately. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times I've, I've talked about it publicly. But I literally was two, two doors down in a strip mall from um, a convenience store that what a three times a year, four times a year was robbed. Um, they never once robbed while my store was open. They never robbed that store. Uh, I'm convinced they knew that I carried, they seen guns going in and out of my store all the time. Um, typically, typically criminals are going to case a joint at least a little bit. And they knew that was the case. And they were like, okay, wait till that store is closed. Um, here's the, here's the interesting thing about that particular convenience store. Um, they had a shotgun behind the counter and the, um, and the store owner carried, um, there never was an altercation where anybody ever pulled a firearm on the person that was robbing the store. They always gave them the money and they ran and they, they, everybody that they all got caught, they were caught on security camera. And usually the police officer, you know, you pull it up and they, they watch literally five seconds of the footage and they know who they are and where to go get them. You know what I mean? Um, smaller town you know uh policing happens that way but um um but yeah i mean i so 
just because a, a clerk has access, does that mean in that situation they're going to use it or think to use it or whatever? Not, nece- not necessarily. Um, a lot of folks will tell you uh, that it goes back in the stream here. Um, a lot of folks will tell you that it is uh, they've got insurance for situations like that. They're not going to, you know, uh, they're going to hand over whatever it is and, and go about their business. So um, there's, there's I, I agree. I agree with the premise 100 percent. But that I'm just saying everybody's different. and That doesn't always make a make a yeah. difference, I guess. Yeah. I think that arming employees is a wonderful idea. Um, I think that even, you know, so many businesses love putting signs out there, you know, guns not permitted in store. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more stores saying employees are armed. Enter into- <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a- right. 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 So, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Um, so I want to hit on where I know we're over time, but God, I, I want to hit on this one last thing because it kind of deals with what we're talking about. Like I said, this, I, I think this is, it tries to approach several different good ideas. I just don't know that this legislation does it in a way I'm comfortable with. Um, the last thing is something that uh, says prosecutes um, prosecution of felons and fugitives, fugitives being interesting, right? Um prosecution of felons and fugitives uh, because a fugitive could be somebody who skipped bail. You know what I mean? Um, A lot of times it's considered a fugitive and it's like, okay, he hasn't shown up for his court date, therefore he hasn't been convicted, so that's weird. But prosecution of felons and fugitives who attempt to illegally purchase firearms. Um, So I don't know, and this also goes into the whole straw purchase idea. Uh, in fact, the, the next section down, again, we don't got time. We've got to get out of here. I don't like these running very long, um, but jump down in the comments below, get the uh, link and, and read it for yourself. But this also goes into straw purchasing. So I've, I don't know any dealer ever, and I know multiple dealers have literal lifelong relationships with dealers who have ever had anybody come in that was a fugitive or a felon that tried to buy a gun. Now I chalk that up to where I live quite honestly. So there's probably people out there in the chat or live or replay or whatever. That's like, Oh man, I know tons. Okay, cool. Uh, But I don't. So I'm seeing this from a prism of how often does that actually happen? You know, Uh, and the straw purchase thing, the same way I see more controversy on straw purchase around this idea that you can't go in with your son daughter in my case that's underage pick out a over under shotgun that she wants to use for competition and buy it's clearly going to be for her use it's her shotgun whatever but i'm the one purchasing it's going to be an i'm the one that has possession of it right or somebody that does something that's like a gift so you know this is where people mix up the 4473 and the straw purchase i don't want to go down that rabbit hole uh, we do not have the time to do it, but the the paperwork says basically, are you the person taking possession? So who pays for said firearm and who takes possession of said firearm is two different things. The straw issue comes into play with the possession, right? So if 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 I give you money, okay, 
and you go in and buy a gun and you take it home and keep it for the rest of your life, well, I just bought you a firearm. That's not a straw purchase. You filled out the paperwork. You took it home. If I give you the money and you go in and buy it and then you walk out the door and hand it to me and I take it home and I never see you again, that's a straw purchase. Because you filled out on that form that you were the one that was taking possession of it, right? So I don't know, like I said, my little bubble, country bumpkin, whatever you want to call it. I've never seen an issue with the whole straw purchase, fella, you know, felons and fugitives trying to buy firearms at, at gun dealers. I've never seen it. So I, I do want your opinion on that, uh, Ghost. I, I think <laughs> intent plays a large role. Once again, the scenarios that you just p went through is if I'm buying a gun knowingly, I'm filling out a 4473 saying that I'm going to have possession. And then knowingly that I, my intent is to, as soon as we leave that store, hand it over, especially knowing if you're going to be a person that may or may not be able to uh, possess one. Right. That's a whole different issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I mean, I agree, but I mean, have you seen any issues like we're talking about that with straw purchase or people that are prohibitive trying to buy? I've never seen one. Once again, I live in Arkansas, so it might be different than in Chicago, yeah. Detroit, L.A., New York, but I've right. never had no. Yeah, so that'd be interesting. So kind of to close this out, I guess, because we're coming up on the, the Iron 15 minute mark, uh, live chat, replay, whatever, if you've gone this far, awesome. Thank you for that. But if you have run into that issue and like your local gun shop has talked about felons coming in trying to buy stuff or, you know, blatant straw purchases, I'd love to hear those stories. Put those in. I'm sure other people would, too. So don't name drop. Don't tell me the name of shops and name of individuals involved, but give me the basics of the story. I would love to uh, uh, would love to to hear that. So we're going to get out of here first, though. We'll uh, just say, Ghost, you got any final thoughts? Anything uh, you want to throw out before we get out of here? I mean, nothing major. One, like you've said many, many times, read the bill yourself before you take a stance on what side of it. Read the bill. Come on. Read? Politicians don't even read oh, the bill. Why should I we? know, right? It's 50 pages long. I haven't read the whole thing. I've read bits and pieces of it in the last hour right. and a half. Right. But before you take a stance on whether you agree and start howling at the moon one way or the other, read the bill. Don't listen to us. Don't listen to anyone else online. Read it and take it for what you interpret to be. That's that's ultimately what it needs to come down to. And, and most importantly, as a community, I'm not saying that we have to compromise. We don't need to compromise, but we have to be open minded into a strategy that works best for our community. And if we're talking about strengthening and changing a NIC system and taking the NIC system to make sure that they are being held to the fire, that they do their jobs properly and it's utilized properly, that can only help our community. So I'm not saying to be for it, but have an open mind when you read any of this stuff, because if, if, if you go into it saying, well, this just sounds bad without really digging into what they're trying to do, I promise you, regardless if you like Ted Cruz or not, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of Ted Cruz in the last couple of years. Um, I promise you this, Ted Cruz is not going to put his name on something that's going to be detrimental to our 2A community as a whole. I promise you that. 
Um, but the, 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 the problem lies in these people that draft legislation, and, and Cruz is not exempt from this, with people that draft legislation not realizing how it can be utilized by somebody else in the that's future. True. That is true. And any, any door that's open can be kicked open from either side. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, it you just could trust me to say, like, I could go out and say, hey, everybody, make me a dictator, the dictator of America for six months. I'll fix all of these problems. Then I'll relinquish power. Right. It will right. est- we'll establish the system back. And a lot of people out there that know me would trust me to do that. Right. But can you. Like I said, you don't know what's going to come down the road, right? So what yeah. happens when you make me the dictator and somebody else that I trusted knocks me out of the play? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then that never happens, you know. Yeah, no, so, and I'm yeah. not like I said. Like I said, I mean, if if it's coming from someone else, I have a tendency to believe that Ted Cruz has the two A's best interest at heart. Not saying that this bill is a good one. I'm just saying that I don't think he's going to intentionally do anything that would harm the 2A community. Right. But read this for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you feel that you need to contact your senators and congressmen, then by all means, do that. Yep. Um, but just before before you start making conclusions in your mind, at least read it before you just start jumping to conclusions. That's all I was right. trying to say is just read it and know where it's coming from. And whether or not you agree with it is still up to you, but there's a lot of context involved with this. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff behind this, the reasons why. Like I said, I want to finish it by saying I truly believe that this is a preemptive strike. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we know what's coming down the line from the, 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 the Democratic Party right now. Right. And like I said, this is nothing that hasn't been uh, introduced before. Uh, I don't know that this is even the final draft of the bill or anything like that. Uh, but G Webbs jumps in late. He said, I just got here. What is this Republican gun control? So what we have been talking about for those that did come in late and, uh, and missed the queue uh, is um, with the Senate hearings the last couple of days, Ted Cruz did mention uh, a bill written by himself and, and our co-authored, I guess you could say by him and, and uh, Grassley, uh, two senators. and they have introduced this bill before. Supposedly it got filibustered, yada, yada, yada. Uh, this is just a, something that they pulled out and dusted off, right? Uh, and it is called at this point uh, to be known as, what does it say here? Protecting Communities and Preserving the Second Amendment Act of 2019 is what this one, the uh, text I could find. Um, like I said, the updated version. Who knows? I do have the link to this, though, down in the description below, so do your own. Uh, research and homework, pay attention to Cruz and Grassley and what the Republicans are doing. Uh, G-Web says fix next. Basically, it does involve that. We've got to get out of here, though. Not going to rehash it. Uh, if you did come in way late, replay it one day. You've got time uh, to do some stuff. Above all else, I, I've said it a thousand times. Go set it. I can't you know, say it anymore. Do your own homework. Do your own research. Uh, read this link. Google stuff. Pursue it further down the rabbit hole even. Uh, if you so choose. And by all means, comments are below. So follow up on this and say, hey, this I found this part or that part. Um, and just let people know what you found in there, what's going on. My apologies for such a long uh, Tech podcast. We try to keep these an hour or less. We're roughly 20 minutes over. But uh, since we didn't 
I have the opportunity to talk with Diana Mueller yesterday, unfortunately, because she was uh, in front of the Senate uh, testifying uh, in a pro to a capacity, which we love her for doing that. Um, yeah, thought uh, this came across my radar today. Thought, heck, I'll get Ghost on. We'll uh, go through some of this, which we only went through about half of it, unfortunately. So, again, go read it for yourself. Uh, Can I mention one more up. thing? Yeah, absolutely. You brought up Diana being speaking in front of the Senate. Uh, there was a great, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, but Chris Chang also, uh, his was yes. more on the Asian American yes. uh, gun rights and all that. Phenomenal phenomenal uh, speech that he gave uh, to the Senate as well. That was an incredible speech. So if you haven't seen that, it's out there a lot of places, but Chris Chain did a remarkable job on that deposition as well. Yeah, we got some good folks fighting the uh, fighting the good fight for sure. Uh, with that, we're gone until the next one. Uh, peace out.